0: Remember, when you're making your travel plans, check johnnydollarair.com first. johnnydollarair.com is a Priceline affiliate link. So if you book through them, uh, part of the purchase price supports the great detectives of old-time radio at no additional cost to you. So remember, when making your travel plans, check johnnydollarair.com first. Well, now it is time for today's episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, the original air date, January 9th, 1953, and the title is The Thelma Ibsen Matter.
1: From Hollywood, it's time now for John Lund as... Johnny Dollar.
2: My name is DeFranco, Mr. Dollar. I'm with the Claims Division of Eastern Life and Trust.
3: Well, what can I do for you, Mr. DeFranco?
2: Help me pay off a claim, I hope.
3: Well, that's a new wrinkle.
2: Yeah, one of our new policyholders passed away last month. We can't seem to locate his beneficiary.
3: Well, maybe he doesn't want the money.
2: So a she. Everybody wants money, especially insurance money. Would you like to take a whack at it?
3: What floor are you on, Mr. DeFranco?
2: Fourth. 418. Just after you get off the elevator, turn to your left. Be
1: there in an hour. John Lund in the transcribed adventure of the man with the action packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
3: Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar. Two claims office, Eastern Life and Trust Company, this city. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Thelma Ibsen matter. Expense account item one, 15 cents, bus fare, from my apartment to Milton DeFranco's office,
2: where we got right down to business. The deceased was a man named John Linden. He made his living selling papers in front of the Metropolitan Building. Oh, on Street? Yes. You ever seen him?
3: Yeah, I guess I have. Somehow you never think of someone like that leaving insurance money.
2: No, you don't. But he took out two policies, November the 5th, 1940. Both of them $500 life. Uh Uh-huh. So he has an estate of $1,000 that we have to give to a person named Selma Ibsen.
3: His uh, daughter or something?
2: No relation at all. Just someone who stopped and talked to him one day. You must have had quite a line. You'd think so, but I doubt it. He was only ten years old at the time. Oh. I got all this from the agent who wrote up the policy. Used to buy his papers from old John. One day he told the agent he wanted to take out some life insurance so he could do something nice for a little girl he'd met that afternoon. And that's it.
3: Quite a profitable meeting for her, huh? Yeah. Of course, a
2: thousand dollars isn't a lot of money these days. But from him it's a lot. Yeah. Tom Ibsen must be twenty three or four by now. Might see her face when she gets that insurance check and finds out who it's from and why. Might prove something about something. Yeah, it could, or maybe she isn't doing
3: nice things for people anymore. Well,
2: let's hope she is. I keep thinking of that old man out there hustling papers every day to make his dollar fifty two in premiums every week. He gets me somehow. Huh? He huh? only saw her that one day in his life.
3: The local address for Thelma Edson was 213 Brainbridge. From neighbors, I learned that Thelma's parents had been killed in an automobile accident in 1945. She'd moved cross town to live with an aunt, a Mrs. Mary Seely. Mrs. Seely died in 1950. Again, Thelma had moved. Where? Nobody seemed to know. But they did know where she'd been working at the time. One of the girls there was brought into the manager's office.
4: Yes. She quit without notice a couple of years ago. She just didn't come back.
3: Were you a friend of hers?
4: Yes. We were good friends. Used to have lunch together every day. We started here together, too.
3: I see. Have you heard from her?
4: Mm -mm, No.
3: Any idea where she might have gone?
4: New York, I think. It's the closest place to go, isn't it?
3: Funny she didn't write anybody, or say anything when she left, don't you think?
4: Yes, but Donald was like that. Like what? Well, don't misunderstand me. She was a real sweet girl, but there was something you could tell about her right away when you met her. She had plans of her own, and she just them to herself. Mm-hmm. I don't suppose anything happened to her.
3: I'm just trying to locate her. Did uh, she ever talk about going to New York?
4: No. Well,
3: what did she talk about?
4: Oh, about meeting someone and getting married.
3: Was she going with anyone when she disappeared?
4: Oh, a couple of people around the office.
3: Are they still around?
4: I think so. Going to talk to them? I'd like to. They haven't heard from her either. No
2: one has. She just plain left, bag and baggage. At the apartment hotel
3: where she'd been living since her aunt's death, I learned that Thelma Ibsen had suddenly checked out with all of her belongings around Christmas of 1950. No forwarding address. The hospital, jail, and morgue records for the previous two years were covered. Nothing came up. A high school annual provided a fairly good picture of a tall, smiling girl with a pleasant face looking out from under a miter cap. The Motor Vehicle Bureau recorded a driver's license issued in her name. A right thumb and forefinger print came with it. The picture, the prints, and all available information went into a file. Thelma Ibsen became a missing person. Two days later, the people at her office were re-questioned. And then one of them recalled a man that she had been seen with just before her disappearance. Spence account item two, $15. Transportation and incidentals, Hartford, New York. For the purpose of locating a Mr. Floyd Turnbull, for possible information concerning Thelma Ibsen's whereabouts. I made a list of the Floyd Turnbulls in the city directory and set out to interview each one. The right man happened to be number five on my list.
5: Yes, of course I know Thelma Ibsen, Mr. Dollar. You say you're from an insurance company? That's right, Mr.
3: Turnbull. Can you tell me where she is right now? I'm afraid I can't. Uh, you sit down, Mr. Dollar. Sit down. Thanks.
5: I understand you knew her in Hartford. That's right, I did. She came here to New York with me. Oh? Let me assure you, there was nothing improper about it. I met Thelma when she was working in one of the offices I do business with there. And uh, when I suggested that she drive to New York with me, I did it with the understanding that we were to be married here. I see. No one could have been more surprised than I when she disappeared. You mean here in New York? Yes. Well, when was this? It was Christmas Eve of 1950. Thelma was staying with my sister, Edna, in Westchester. I picked her up about six in the evening to go to a party. We stopped for gasoline somewhere between here and Long Island. I left the car for a moment, and when I came back, she was gone. You
3: haven't seen her since? I haven't seen her since. Well, did she leave a note in the car, a message of some kind? Nothing, not a word. And she hasn't gotten in touch with you at all? No. She's never written? Never. I can't quite get with this. You were going to be married, and she disappeared in a filling station on Christmas Eve. Did you argue or something? No.
5: I don't think I would ever have argued with Helma. She was kind and sweet and gentle in all things to me. Your appearance here and these questions bring back the memory very strongly. How long had you known her
3: before you decided to get married? About three weeks. Do you have any idea why
5: she walked away? Yes, but I doubt if it's of any practical value to you.
3: Well, any information I can get would be very helpful in locating her, Mr. Turnbull.
5: All right, then. I think she was frightened. Of what? Of life, Mr. Dollar. Not people or circumstance, but life. You say that with a lot of conviction. Yes. Thelma had always been, well, a poor girl. She worked instead of going to college. She lived with a rather dowdy aunt who died just before I met her. Her parents had been killed in an accident a few years before. I think I offered her happiness that she always longed for. But she simply wasn't mature enough or adjusted well enough to accept it. This is of no value, is it?
3: Well, it might be. Did you know of any ambition she had? Maybe she wanted to go on the stage.
5: She simply wanted to be my wife and live here. Oh, I can see what you're thinking. I'm old enough to be her father, but that's not the reason she walked away from that car. Believe me, Mr. Dollar, unless I'm terribly mistaken, that girl was very much in love with me and wanted to marry me. Tell me, have you tried to find her? No, I have not. I waited around the filling station that night, hoping she'd return, but I didn't report the matter to the police. I intended to hire private detectives to locate her, but I gave that up, too. Well, I don't understand. If you loved her... Well, would this make it understandable, Mr. Dahl? Thelma was a rational, normal human being when I left her in that car. No one forced her away from it or me. The man at the station said she merely stepped out and disappeared down the street. She left of her own free will for her own reasons. Yeah, I think I can see your point. Thank you, Mr. Dollar. I hoped that one day she'd appear at my door, contact me, come to me, but she hasn't. Is there any way I can help you more concretely?
3: Well, if you could tell me the exact location of that filling station. I believe I can do that, but why? Last place she was seen alive. Oh. That word of life. Just a word, Mr. Turnbull. Tell me, do you suppose she had any money when she left? Why
5: do you ask? Well, she'd have had to go to work if she didn't. Maybe she had... Yes, she had money, quite a bit. How much? Twenty-three hundred dollars. Oh? She stole it from me, Mr. Dollar. I left my wallet and my overcoat. She took it while I was gone. I would have given her all this. Everything. She had to steal it from She had to steal it like a common little thief. (laughs) There's truly no fool like an old fool, is there, Mr. Dollar?
2: When
3: I left Turnbull, it struck me. Here was the second elderly man in Thelma Ibsen's life. One had given her money, which she wasn't around to receive... And from this one, she'd taken money and didn't wait around to say thanks. Spencer Item 3, $50.50. Car rental and incidentals involved in checking Floyd Turnbull's story. A major oil company owned and operated the filling station where Thelma Ibsen had been seen last. Their payroll records named three attendants on duty Christmas Eve, 1950. I located and interviewed all three. Enclosed fine statement of Earl Camden. Sure. Sure, I remember that chick. <laughs> Better look in this picture, I'll tell you that. Well, anyways, she drove in with the old guy, see? He hadn't been away from the car more than 20 seconds before for she was out and walking down the street as fast as she could go. Well, when he came back and asked what happened to her, I told him. Well, and he went back and sat in his car for maybe a couple of hours just waiting for her. I knew she was gone for good. I I felt sorry for the old geezer. She shouldn't have run out like that. Christmas Eve and all. Edna Turnbull Spencer, Westchester, verified her brother's story. Thelma Ibsen had left all of her clothes at the house. Mrs. Spencer had not heard a word from her since Christmas Eve of 1950. The matter went to the New York Police Missing Persons Bureau. A check on the Morgan Hospital records was unsuccessful. However, the police fingerprint files turned up an interesting lead.
2: Misdemeanor, drunk, disturbing the peace. She was fined twenty-five bucks a night. Court, April twenty-fifth, nineteen
3: fifty-one. What's the address? Uh,
2: Twelve, twelve Yardley. Twelve, twelve
3: Yardley. Okay. At the address on Yardley, I learned that Thelma Ibsen had moved eight months before. Again, there was no forwarding address. The landlady turned out to be quite talkative,
2: however. I'm glad, too. She moved from here, Mr. Dollar. I'd like to help you find her, but I'm awfully glad she moved from here. Well, why do you say that, Mrs. Burns? Oh, no, it's parties all the time. I run a quiet place for quiet people, you know.
3: Yes, yes, I'm sure, but...
2: I thought she was the quiet type when she took the apartment, or i would never given it to her. She told me she was secretary, that she worked downtown. She say where? Oh, no. That she didn't work. How could she? She was out every night and slept most of the day. And men used to come to see her. Honestly.
3: Do you know any of them, Mrs. Prentiss? Oh,
2: no, just men, all kinds, all sorts.
3: Same. Was she friendly with anybody in the building? Uh, no. Did she go with any particular man?
2: I couldn't say. All I can tell you is that I'm glad she doesn't live here anymore. I'm awfully glad. <laughs>
3: The more people I talked to, the more I learned about Thelma Ibsen, and the less I liked what I heard. I went back to the city hall. It had occurred to me that hardly anyone is ever arrested for being drunk and disturbing the peace alone. I was right. The night court files revealed that Thelma Ibsen had been arrested with eight other people. I took down their names and began to check them out. Number six down the line was a man named Unger, who was in the hosiery business. Yes, he remembered Thelma Ibsen very well. No, he hadn't seen her for six months. But he could tell me where she lived. He did. And I went there. Yes, sir, may I help you? I'm looking for Miss Thelma Ibsen. Uh Oh, I'll ring her room. Is she expecting you? No. My name is Dollar. It's a, a business matter. Mr. Dollar. That's right. Just a moment.
4: I'm ringing.
2: Hmm.
1: Well, I don't understand that. What? She came in
3: about a half hour ago. I know she's up there. Well, maybe she came out again. No, I'd have seen her. I've been at the desk all the time. Well, if that is the strange thing. Maybe she's visiting one of the other
1: apartments. Perhaps. Would you like to leave a message, Mr. Dollar?
3: It'll be okay if I go up and camp on her doorstep. I've been looking for her for a long time now.
1: Of course.
3: took the elevator up to the 15th floor and walked down the hall to Thelma Ibsen's apartment. The door was standing partially open. All the lights seemed to be on. Miss Ibsen? Miss Ibsen? Miss Ibsen?
4: Go oh, back. Get away from this room. What? Get away or I'll jump.
3: I've found Thelma Ibsen. Only she was standing on a ledge outside the window, all ready for a leap into eternity.
1: We'll return to Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, in just a moment. Our star, John Lund, we bring you the second act of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Don't
2: come any
4: closer.
3: I won't. Thelma. What? you better come in now. You don't want to do this.
4: I'm going to do it.
3: It's cold out there. Don't you think you should come inside?
4: I'm going to jump. Stay away now. Don't try to grab me.
3: I'll do anything you say, Thelma. Okay.
4: I never saw you before. How do you know my name? I've seen you. No, you haven't. I remember people. Watch.
3: Just going to light a cigarette. Do you want one? No. Can I have one?
4: All right. Where did you see me?
3: In a picture. In your high school annual. You went to high school in Hartford.
4: You don't know you. What's your name?
3: Johnny Dollar.
4: Are you from Hartford? Yeah. Step over there. Let me see your face in the light. No. You aren't from Hartford. You're lying to me.
1: Mr. Dollar, I oh, want to... Go oh, away. Oh, oh. I'll jump. Why, Miss Impson... Go on.
4: Get out of here.
3: Go ahead. Call the police.
4: Yes. Of course. Of course. I heard you to call the police. I don't care. They can't stop me. Nobody can stop me.
3: Maybe they won't even try, Thelma.
4: Oh, I know they will. They'll talk to me just the way you're talking try to get close enough to grab me. I wanted somebody to call the police. I want them all down there waiting for me to jump. When the crowd's big enough, I'll jump right down there. I'm not afraid to do it.
3: Why do you want to jump, Thelma?
4: I have my reasons. Look, there are a couple of people down there who see me. They'd like to see me jump.
3: I don't think they'd like to see that at all, Thelma.
4: Oh, yes, they would. They might say they wouldn't, but they'll hang around, and if I don't jump, they'll be disappointed.
3: Nobody wants you to jump, Thelma. Oh,
4: sure they do. Those people down there would love to see it happen. You'd like it, too.
3: If I wanted to see you jump, I'd be waiting on the street for those people. But I don't want to see you do that. And neither do they. I want you to live, Thelma.
4: That's more people down there now.
2: Oh,
4: am getting the big lights up here. God.
3: Thelma, look. If you're broke, if you need money...
4: come are coming closer, I told you before.
3: I want to help you, Thelma.
4: Nobody wants to help me. Nobody's ever wanted to help me.
3: You're wrong about that. Lloyd Turnbull wanted to help you.
4: Lloyd Turnbull? You met him?
3: Yes. And he's still very much in love with you.
4: After I stole money from him he walked out on him?
3: The money meant nothing to him. He still loves you, Thelma. Thelma?
4: I don't love him. I never loved him. He thought so. He was just nice. Why did you leave him that way? I'm no good. Never have been, you know. I've never been any good to anybody.
2: Would you like to talk to Floyd?
4: No. I don't want to talk to him, or anybody. I know. But after I jump, I want you to tell Floyd something. Sure. Tell him I meant to send the money back to him. I didn't think it was that much. Tell him I never was any good at all. But I left him because of that. All right. You can tell him I loved him he feel good, I think. All right. Go back! I don't care who you are. Go back or I'll jump right now! Wait! Close that hall door. If you want to see me jump, you'll have to watch from the street down there with the others. Close it! You see it,
3: I suppose so. I don't know.
4: You look foolish.
3: We all look foolish at one time or another.
4: It passes. Do I look foolish?
3: Yes, Dalma, you do. You're not going through with this. In the end, you'll come back into this room and everybody down there will go home.
4: That isn't true. You know for the first time in my life, I know exactly what I want to do, how I want to do it. I'm going to jump.
2: From what I know about
3: you, I thought you always knew pretty much what you wanted out of life.
4: I never knew anything. And it's all botched up. I'd be happy one minute and crying the next. Things kept happening all the time. That's took tiresome. Mom and Daddy died. I should have died, too. Then I wouldn't be here making all those people down there have bad dreams for weeks to come. I should have been with them when they were killed next time. Well, it won't be long. I won't be tired anymore, pretty soon. Come, wait. Wait for what? You say you've talked to people who've known me, who know what I was and what I am. I didn't turn out the way they wanted me to, did I? I didn't even turn out the way I wanted to be. Look at me. Why should I wait?
3: One man I didn't talk to had more faith in you than anybody else. He was an old man who sold newspapers in front of the Metropolitan Building. His name was John Linden. Old John. Selma? Old John? Old oh, John. You met him one day when you were a little girl. It meant a lot in his life. An awful lot. Do you remember old John?
4: Yes. Yeah. john was downtown after school looking look in the windows. I had a nickel and I bought a paper from this old man. I talked to him. He said I was a very nice girl, and he asked me my name and where I lived.
1: What did you talk about, Thelma?
4: About. School. Growing up. He told me I'd grow up some to be a lovely woman. You said, Lovely woman. He was very nice.
1: What else did you talk about?
4: School. He asked me what grade I was in. I guess I was in the fifth grade, or maybe the sixth. It's such a long time ago.
3: But you remember it.
4: Of course, I remember it now. Where's John now?
3: He died a month ago, Thelma. He left you all his money.
4: What money? What money would that poor old man have?
3: Insurance money. Comes to a thousand dollars. You're lying. No, I'm not, Thelma. That's why I've been looking for you. It's my job to see that you get the money that he left for you. He wanted you to have it.
4: No know him only that afternoon.
3: But he wanted to help you.
4: You're making all this up. It's all a lie.
3: No. No, look. What? These prove I'm from the insurance company. Here.
4: Throw them over. All
3: right. You see? He wanted you to have something.
4: That old man...
2: Poor old I want to stop and talk to me.
1: Expense account
3: item four. Three fifty. Martinis. I needed it. It was my first, and I hope my last, experience with an intended suicide. The psychiatrists who examined and treated Thelma Ibsen believe that she'll make a complete recovery in time. They say it'll take months to determine the exact cause of her breakdown. But as far as we're concerned, the case is closed. Claim filed. Expense account, item five, same as item two. Transportation back to Hartford. Total, $84.15. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
1: Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, stars John Lund in the title role and is written by E. Jack Newman with music by Eddie Dunstetter. John Lund can currently be seen in the Universal International picture just across the street. Featured in tonight's cast were Tom Tully, Jeanette Nolan, John McIntyre, Joe Kearns, and Virginia Gregg. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is transcribed in Hollywood by Jaime Dovalier. <laughs> This is Dan Coverley inviting you to join us next week at this time when John Lund returns as... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
0: Well, a pretty good episode. I thought it had a very uh, solid premise. The idea that you're getting to know this person as you, you know, talk to these people that knew her, as you examine these stories of her life, and uh, you can kind of go from one extreme to the other in thinking about her as you're listening to the episode. But it's not the same thing until you actually meet her at the end. A- and I think that this is just very effective. This also is another one that did get turned into a five-parter. I won't comment too much on that one until we hear that in, you know, year or two or so. But in its own right, I think it stands alone really good. All right, well, some listener comments and feedback now. And we have a comment from Steve. Uh, Steve writes in, I like Bob Bailey. Hate Edmund O'Brien? John Lund was somewhere in between. And then uh, we have uh, an email here from Frank who says, Adam, congratulations on your mini-podcast. I favor Superman and Johnny Dollar. I hope you will stay with the recorded Superman podcast. I heard a few of the shows you did live, and no offense, but technically they were a disaster. The levels were not consistent, and I was constantly changing the volume on my end. But small uh, matter, that's just less than 1% of the shows I listened to. Superman was a great show for kids and adults. Johnny Dollar could be remade into a modern TV show and be excellent. Uh, congratulations, to on, uh, sponsors I recently noticed you picked up. By the way, I've been collecting old-time radio since 1973 when I picked up a couple cassettes in an audio store. In college, we had an old-time radio show, and I was able to host a few episodes. Uh, trust me, you do a, uh, great job. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you so much, Frank. And that definitely, uh, means a lot, uh, to have that, uh, Support from someone who's been uh, collecting uh, old-time radio for so long. Collectors and fans really are why we have most of the old-time radio programs that we have today. So I really appreciate that. Uh, regarding Superman, it has been years and years uh, since I did a live old-time radio uh, podcast. And I did those mainly because that was the sort of podcast that uh, the original host for the old-time Dragnet program and the old-time radio Superman program encouraged. The sound quality was not good, but that's more an issue with both the equipment and the host that I was using back then. I did get to the point where I figured out that the the recording of the program played live sounded really bad. So if I did do a live podcast, I figured out to download the live audio and then replace the live version of the recording uh, with the with an actual uh, you know pre recorded version of the episodes so that it would be listenable. But I didn't go back and fix older episodes, so sorry you ran into those. I have given some thought to going back and editing some of the older episodes that I've done, you know, both on old-time radio Superman, where I did everything myself, and the first couple of years of old-time Dragnet show, Andrew didn't start editing that podcast, until sometime in, I think it was 2009, he started editing the old-time now podcast. But that is one of those big, big projects. And I have my, you know, plate full with current up-to-date stuff. So I've not been able to get to that. Uh, regarding Johnny Dollar, I-, I think it could be a good TV show in the right hands. I just tend to be very pessimistic about television programs actually doing a concept justice these days. But there's definitely room for it as a concept, or even doing a, you know, modern podcast audio drama, provided you get all the uh, right licensing done. Uh, But thanks so much for the comments, appreciate them, and thanks so much for listening, Frank. And I want to go ahead and also thank our Patreon supporter of the day, and thank you to Lise. Lease has been one of our Patreon supporters since May, currently supporting us at the rookie level of $2 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, Lise. And that will do it for today. If you do enjoy this podcast, be sure to rate and review it wherever you uh, download your podcast from. And uh, be sure and join us back here tomorrow for The Silent Men, and then we will be back next Friday with another episode of yours, Truly Johnny Dollar. In the meanwhile, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us over on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.